Welcome back, race fans, to the third episode of the Canoe Race World podcast. This is a podcast that is dedicated to the world of marathon canoe racing. I am Kevin Olson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Bill Mahaffey. How are we doing today, Bill? Doing good, Kevin. How about yourself? Oh, it's just another day in paradise. My I got my baby boy in my arms right now, so I couldn't couldn't be happier than that. So um, today we have a special guest, Bill. We have hashtag Danny Paddle on the show. How are we doing today? I'm Danny? good. I'm glad to be on. How are you guys? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Good. Before we get into the episode, let's thank our sponsors. I want to thank GRB Newman's Designs. You're going to be hearing a little bit more about them uh, when we recap the 90. Um, and also uh, Zavril Racing Equipment, um, two, great, two great companies. If you're looking for paddles and boats, um, I highly suggest you seek them out. So, uh, Bill, start us off with what we got uh, working on the episode today. Absolutely. We've got a great episode for for you guys today. Uh, We're going to do a little rundown on a couple of big races here the past two weekends. Uh, The Classique up in Schwinnigan, Quebec, and then the Adriana Canoe Classic. Um, Kind of a unique event. I'm pretty excited to hear about that as well. Yep. The Adirondack Canoe Classic is a great event. Um, it's also known as the 90 miler. Um, we'll also have our interview with Danny, uh, hashtag Danny paddle, where we're going to be talking a little bit about his, uh, paddling beginnings and how long it's taken him to climb the ranks in the paddling world and other, like, we're going to talk about his gear that he likes to use, um, and tips that he might have for something else that's, uh, you know, um, wants to you know progress in the sport sure sure so yeah let's uh let's jump right into the the classic breakdown uh really close race this year outstanding race action like this would have been a good one i think if you were gonna say you went and spectated one this this was probably it right um in first place we had jimmy pellerin uh with steve lejoie and if you look at the results, they narrowly edged out Matthew Pellerin and Matt Mearsman. Um, and by narrowly, I mean we had about a 13-second differential on time between the uh, the two boats cumulative. And Mearsman and Matthew Pellerin actually won two out of the three stages. Um, pretty pretty exciting stuff there. Uh, third place, Guy Blay and Sam Frejean. Uh Mike Davis, Shane McDowell, fourth. Tommy Pellerin with Weston Willoughby in fifth. Trevor and Ben in sixth, uh, our own Canoe Race World Bench Limmer uh, member in sixth place. Serge Page and Eric Gagné in seventh. Uh, probably butchered that name. I apologize in advance. Um, eighth place was P.O. with Mike Schlimmer. Ninth place and the mixed champion were uh, Mr. Pruel and Mary Schlimmer. Congratulations to you two ninth place mixed champions. Um, tenth place, senior champions, Guy Rousseau and Sylvain Griffard. Um, really a stacked top 10 field. Um, also some shout outs to, uh, our previous guest, Rebecca Davis, along with her partner, uh, Edith on their female women's championship up there in, uh, Quebec as well. So outstanding race. Um, 
give me, hey, Danny, as somebody that's never did Class C, give me a little basic breakdown on the race. Uh, hey, congratulations on your finish up there. You guys were, what, 13th, yep, if I remember we, right? We were 13th. Outstanding, man, outstanding. Give me a breakdown on the race, like um, how, how to go and, you know, as somebody who's, who's you know, never been there, fill me in. So the Class C is a three-day stage race. The first day is about 45 miles. I think we lost Bill. The Yeah, it's all right. We'll, we'll jump back on. The second day is about 55 miles, and the third day is about 25 miles. So the first day you start out, and everyone's trying to get their position. So you go as hard as you can, as long as you can, and try and get your best finish that day. So me and Tony mm-hmm. finished 16th the first day, which wasn't wasn't exactly where we wanted to be, but we knew we still had more race in front of us. The first day, is, um, it's it probably took us five hours, I think, and it, I think the first day is the toughest. Okay. The second day is usually a pretty good pack race. So, I don't know if you guys have seen pictures, but there's always pictures of that front pack, and it's like 12 boats long, just spanning the river. And that's where, uh-huh. and luckily, we were able to get there about an hour into the first day. We we pulled Bruce Barton and Matt Gabriel up to the front, and they, they took our glory. We never even got to lead. <laughs> yeah but but that had to, that had to be a moment right because you have former classic champion bruce barton with classic first timer matt gabriel and here they are in the front of that pack yeah uh, that cool. cool yeah so, so luckily but that's also cool that you, you pulled them up there you know so it's a lot of times we don't hear these uh small little backstories to the races that, um, you know, we hear that Bruce was pulling from the front at, at one point, but yeah. um, not who got him there, though, you know. Yeah, that's that's impressive, Danny, that you pulled him up there, man. We were back a ways. Had to, we had to pass probably like three boats. It's a lot of waves to go that. through. Yeah. Luckily, me and Tony could hang on for a while, and we ended up finishing 13th on the second day. And that put us in 13th overall, which we ended up staying there. But right the on. second day is, uh, so you got some portages on the second day. The first of which comes after about four and a half hours. You come to the Grand Mir portage, which is, I'd say, just shy of a mile long portage. It's, uh, it's a tough one for sure. And that's... Yeah, that's- I... I- I can hear you on those portages, man. Oh, oh. <laughs> That's where the race really starts to break up. I mean, if you haven't fallen off the pack already, that's where you start going for your position. Because at that point, there's about an hour and a half left. On the gotcha. <laughs> so you go through that, and then about 45 minutes later, you portage an island to go around some rapids that you'd probably die if you tried to go through in a C2. I don't know. I guess they used to go through there. That's what someone told me. But they look pretty scary. Right on. 
then you go through <laughs> that, and then it's about another half hour to the famous Boulevard Portage, which is just a run through downtown Shawinigan, just for the fans. Basically, there's no dam or anything to port. And you do that, you do a quick buoy lap in the like downtown Shawinigan, and then finish day two. Okay. It sounds like day two, like, that's a pretty spectator-friendly event if they create that portage just for the spectators. Oh, yes. It's a, it's very spectator-friendly. The first two days are the roads to the left of you the whole time, and there's it's kind of like the Tour de France. There's people with air horns and cowbells the whole way. It's pretty cool. That's awesome, man. Awesome. So, so fill me in on day three. What happens on day three? Day three, you have two portages. The first of which comes about a half hour into the race after you do a buoy lap in again where day two ends. So you do that, you get out portage. It's a very steep hill. There's people falling. This is the first year out of my six times that I didn't fall. My partner fell, but uh, (laughs) I I stayed upright. So you you do that portage. And then you kind of pack up below the portage. We were in a pack of four or five boats. And it's about an hour and a half to the next portage, which is called Belgo. You portage that. Yeah. What's that? You portage to Belgo and you go down and you hit the rapids. The rapids are, you have two sets of rapids. This year, I thought they were they were, and after the rapids, it's about forty five minutes. Gotcha. Cool, cool. That's uh, it, it, that brings me kind of to my next question. Is uh, it, it sounds very there's a lot of similarities between that and the ninety. Uh, I'm hearing. And logistically, what are some of the things that, like, because for someone that hasn't done it, 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 it seems like it's a logistical nightmare going to Canada and setting up for three days and over the course of 120 miles and you're in different spots and stuff like that. Did you Have you ever found doing that that it is – uh, tough logistically and what are some tips for the logistics side of it that you could give to someone that's looking to do the classic so i have thought that this year i was lucky the last two years actually racing with uh he knows all the spots to go so i would say your best bet is to go with someone local, but if that's not an option, at least try and have some friends that are local that, that can help you out a bunch and maybe hook you up with a place to stay because hotels there are kind of expensive. Okay. Cool, cool. Um, so... so- if you, so those are good tips, you know, you're trying to seek out the, the Canadians. And, and the, the ones that I've uh, spoken to, they're all about having other people, yeah, yeah. you know, very, come out to this very race. Very welcoming. 
and they want more people to come to their race. So I think they'd be happy to to host someone. Yeah. And uh, it, it also looks like they have uh, they have like the Robosca, which is like the nine the nine man uh, canoes, and they're doing like sup now and stuff like that. So it's pretty. Uh, it's can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Sorry, sorry about that, guys. So, um, is there anything else that you would suggest to someone that is interested in this race um, that they that you found might be helpful for someone else? Uh, I mean, get wave practice in. That's, that's that would be helpful, and just be ready to go for three days. Yeah, right on. It's it's it really is a a sprint every day for those three days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a tough race, man. Tough, tough race. Someday, so, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say someday. I will make it to Quebec. Right. It's it's a it's definitely a bucket list race for for a lot of us. I think. Um, yeah. I, and that kind of segues into the next section that we're talking about is um the Adirondack 90 miler. This was a bucket list race for myself. Um, for those, uh, it's probably not as well known out in Michigan, but here in uh, New York, this is like a staple race, like behind the 70, this is the other top race to go to. It is one of the most beautiful races that you'll ever go to. It is um, 90 miles over the course of three days, and there are a bunch of portages, so it's very similar to uh, the Classic in those respects. Um, but there are uh, some some notable notable differences also. So let me just start to break down uh, some of the results. So the fastest boat out there was uh, actually um, a kayak. It was uh, Matthew Skeels from Canton. He uh, he finished the course in 12 hours and three minutes. And the second fastest is who we just mentioned in the class. Was the was the Davises and the Olneys in the C uh, C4 Unlimited with a time of 12 hours and 11 minutes. The third fastest boat was uh, Mike Freeze, Joe Manns, Mark Only, and uh, Dana Henry. They were uh, at 12 hours and 11 minutes. Third fastest was another, I mean, fourth fastest was another kayak. And then the third fastest C4 was my boat, a GRB boat with Gene Newman, Dave Thomas, Miranda Robinson, and myself. The next fastest boat after that was um, a Voyager canoe, which was the do- the famous Dog Breath uh, Voyager canoe, and this had a, a, a star-studded cast with uh, Joe Joe Schlemmer, Sylvie Nadeau, Phoebe Reese, Mike Schlemmer, Alec Davis, Roger Henry, Patrick Madden, and Peter Heed. Now, I also want to give. Uh, 
a little shout out to the person that it took the longest to complete the course. And get this, Danny, it was 24 hours and 28 minutes. Can you imagine paddling for 24 hours, almost, you know, getting close to 25 hours over the course of three days? That would be would be a bit much. I mean, I should get used to it because <laughs> I'm, I'm planning on doing the safari next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that would that would, all right. I I stand corrected because that's like forty hours. So, <laughs> and that's straight. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. So this is um a, a pretty cool um pretty cool race, but you definitely have to um have it set up logistically. It starts in Old Forge goes through uh, a, a whole chain of lakes. So you're doing a lake, it's a little passageway to the next lake, then another lake, and they're all labeled. It's like first lake, second lake, third lake, fourth lake. And uh, then there's a bunch of portages. And I did this in the C4, which the C4 boat is has to be a minimum of 50 pounds. So you have 50 pounds, then you have wheels, because these portages are like a mile and a quarter, mile and a half. You got wheels and you got drinks. So you got, you know, all, all geared up. This thing's like 65, 70 pounds. Um, it's definitely uh, uh, an undertaking, to say the least. So, sounds um, like it. Yeah. So the that's one of the, the things with this race and there, the thing is is like with the marathon or the clinton you're going like with the current here because most of it's all lakes like no current helps you there's like very sm- small sections where there's a little bit of current but oh the overriding majority of this race there's no current so 90 miles feels a lot longer <laughs> if that, if that makes any sense there absolutely yep um what what really surprised you about the race was there anything surprising at all or yeah there there was a lot surprising for this race bill so the main thing is that the predominance of boats so this uh this race is not primarily like a racing race so okay. There's only a couple of teams that are really out there to race it. It's more of a completion race. So there are a lot of people that do it just to do it. And that's why you get someone that takes 24 and a half hours to do it. Um, But because of that and because of how you have to, you're on lakes and you're dealing with a lot of choppy water um, due to wind and uh, you need maneuverable boats, you tend to get more stock boats. So you see a lot of Winoas and GRB and you don't see that in most of all the races. Most of all the races you're seeing, you know, mostly Dillers, you see Crozers, you see Rimmers, you see Gillies, you see all these other um, manufacturers, whereas in this race has a very large, you see a lot of Kevlar, honestly, you see a lot of Kevlar. And uh, and if it's not Kevlar, it's probably a GRB because he doesn't do 
it does carbon. So, right. um, so that was one of those other surprises, just how tough these portages were. Like, uh, you're like climbing up a cliff face with 70 pounds on your shoulder and then going down and then, then you put the wheels on and then run for, you know, a mile, <laughs> you know, as fast as you can. And, uh, and so, yeah, so there, it was a very, um, interesting course too. So that was probably the, the next biggest thing that, um, that, uh, surprised me about it. And then, uh, logistically, it was actually not as bad logistically as I had thought, but okay. it's still like one of those things that you have to set up. I had to, you, you know, you have to, you're camping at a site, a different site each night. So um, it's really spread apart where you can't really just pick a home. You can pick a home base, but you're going to be driving a while. Gotcha. You know, and after after paddling for five hours one day and you got to recover for the next day, you don't want to do that. So um, there are a couple of campsites that, ev- like, the majority of the people go to that are only, like, five, ten minutes from uh, the end of one day and the start of the next day. That that so, kind of um, reminds me a, a, a bit of uh, – so the Australians have a like a, a stage race in Australia that literally you paddle from A to B and then you camp at B on the side of the river and then you paddle from B to C. And it, it sounds like there's a lot of real similarities there. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because the, the course route is basically to mimic – the original uh, um, waterway that was traveled in this region. Gotcha. Um, so that's why it, it kind of follows this route. And that's why it's a, you know, a to point B and then, you know, it's very close where you start, you know, the next day and then you kind of finish in the same vicinity as where you're going to start the uh, day Man. three. So, so walk us through, you were in the GRBC4, right? Uh, walk, walk us through the big differences between that boat there and a Pro C2. Okay, so the big difference with a C4 and a C2 is, the, well, obviously there's two more paddlers, um, and the length difference is substantial. So you go on up from an 18-and-a-half-foot boat to a 26-foot boat and in an unlimited C4. Now, Unlimited gets a little bit confusing because there's still specs for this unlimited class for the 90. And uh, so that it can only, it has to be 32 inches wide and it has to weigh a minimum of 50 pounds. So um, the thing of it is when you're trying to, but they are, remarkably maneuverable because there's a section called Brown's track on the first day that you're doing complete 180 degree turns. There are complete oxbows and you're, there's barely 26 feet in there. It, 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 it feels like you're doing the buoy turn at the, at the, on the sprint course um, for the marathon, um, how close these turns are. Wow. Uh, I couldn't tell you how many crossbow rudders I put in in the matter of about a half hour. Probably, probably thirty-five. I would say would wow. probably be pretty close. And so, the fact that this C4 that's twenty-six feet long can maneuver in those type of conditions 
that's pretty impressive. So, sure. um, so that's one of the big differences, you know, that you'll see. So it's, it's really the weight, it's really the length. Um, but they're surprisingly almost as maneuverable as a C2. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Huh. How do the waves work? Like there's different start waves and things like that, right? Yup. So, so this race has a. So, um, but, and like I said, this is a completion race. It's not really a race race. So there's a lot of slow boats. So what they do is they do them in start waves that are separated by about five minutes each. And there's about nine waves. And yeah, so we yeah. were the last wave. And, uh, so we passed, gosh, close to like probably 250 boats on the first day. So that's pretty cool. Um, and it really helps with like the camaraderie too of it. Cause you're going by and I love to have a good time. I mean, if we're not doing, if we're not having a good time, I don't know why we're doing this. So we're going back and you know, there's some, some like college teams that are doing it and stuff like that. So you go and you jibber jabber like, Hey, do you, do you have a beer for me? And, stuff. <laughs> and you just, so, uh, and then there's, there's a couple of kids that are like, I don't know, they had to be like between seven and 10 years old doing it. Sure. So, and so, you know, you go by them and you're like, oh man, look at that motor at the front of the boat. And, you know, and you, you give them some good encouragement and, uh, and it's great to see them smile. And, uh, that just, uh, you know, really, um, brings another essence to this race that I think is a, a great, a great thing to have. So if you ha- ever have the chance to do the 90, I definitely suggest it. I don't, I'll honestly, at this point, I don't know when I'll be back. I, I I'm sure I'll be back probably not next year, but um, I definitely want to go back. Um, but it's definitely one of those races. If I, if, if I had more time to, you know, if I didn't want to do the, the marathon and, and the Clinton, as much as I want to do it, I would definitely be going to the 90. Right on, so, man. Right on. Cool. Yeah. So, well, let's move, Bill. Let's get into uh, – let's let's get to the, the man of the hour. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks, you know, and as I sit here and I, I think about it, you know, um, I, I've been around a lot of interesting people uh, – we lost him. Yeah, we lost him. <laughs> I don't know where his uh, frame of uh, thought was going with that, so <laughs> I uh, can't help him with that. But I, uh, we can get started into this uh, interview um, until he uh, hops back on with us. So, Danny, why don't you tell us a little bit about your – um, early paddling experiences. Tell us something that people don't know about you that you might find, they might find interesting to know that about you, about your early career. So, uh, growing up, I lived on the South branch of the Asabo River, which is, we have a race that happens there, the Roscommon Canoe Classic. And me and my brother, we, we watched it go by the house one day. And we, we thought it was real cool and, like, we wanted to do that. So we saved up our money. Eventually, 
bought a boat together. We bought a, a Barton boat. That was our first boat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we did a little racing. He he ended up not being that into it, but I. Uh, you know, it started out. Uh, I wasn't very good. I mean, I was just out there, kind of no. on my own. Can I can I stop you? How young were you when you started, Danny? When we bought that boat, I was thirteen. Okay. Okay. Then, uh, okay. time I was fifteen, I I want to do the marathon. That's when you're allowed. Oh, so I found this partner. His name was Mike Harmon. He was just a a local grailing kid. Always wanted to do the marathon. He'd never paddled before either, really. And we started training in about April and did our best. And we got down to Cook Dam. We were in last place. We were cutting it pretty close to the cutoff times. We were just demoralized, hurting, and we we dropped out. And then my second one, well, I think bad things about my partners, but... We we got to the Camp 10 bridge, and he told the timers, we're done. Didn't give me any. But after that, I finished everyone since 2011. My first one was yeah. Oak, just under 18 hours. Yeah, nice. Hey, let me I, – I, I just got to – I got to give you a little anecdote here. Um, my dad has done the – 70 30 he's finished it 34 times and the first time he didn't have he didn't finish he paddled with his uh with his um uh his cousin and (laughs) they got to sydney which is about five miles away from the finish and a mixed boat passed them (laughs) and he went to my dad he goes was that a girl that just passed us and my dad goes, yeah. And he got out of the boat and said, I'm done. And walked ashore. <laughs> wow. Five, five miles from the end, man. That's nuts. Yeah. Danny, tell, tell us a little bit about the journey, man, to get where you are today. Um, right right now. Yeah. Uh, oh. It's fun, you know. I've gotten to go a lot of cool places. I've gotten to meet a lot of cool people, including you guys. My wonderful girlfriend from texas who's on a flight right now to come here uh i got to meet mike and rebecca who i live with right now um it's it's been so much fun like i've always been getting better and say that's why i never really stopped because there was always i was always showing improvements you know right um What's it like being down at, at Barton Farms? Now, you're, you're leaving Barton Farms and going to Texas for the winter. Is that correct? Yep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a Texan this winter. An honorary Texan. Where are you staying at down there? I'll be living with... So, the farm's real nice. I like, uh, I like the training schedule. We're pretty regimented. Which I like. Gotcha. Monday's usually a rest day. Tuesday, we'll just do kind of a just you know just 
B2B or uh, up and down or around the lake or something. Okay. Wednesday, Wednesday's an interval day, like you guys in Grayling. And then Thursday, we try, try and focus on something specific, like uh, maybe portages or waves or something along those Friday will be a rest day and race on the weekends. Yeah, would would you, would you say that the structure of Barton Farms has helped move your game up? Yeah, I think so, especially because of like I said the the specifics that we work on on days. I think that helps a lot. Like with portages, starts. It's, it's very important to have a good start, and also very important to portage well. I think the, I think portage especially is something that a lot of guys think about. Yeah, the neglect, and and from talking to you about La Classique, it, it really sounds like up there a portage can make or break your race. Oh, for sure, it definitely can. Sure. Cool. So, Danny, what do you think that um, is needed for you? Because you're like you're right on that cusp, man. You're doing such a good job, um, and it's so hard to break that that you know that very front pack, that very that top three. What do you think you need to do that you so you can you can do that? Uh, first thing, got to be able to get to the top five, but uh. I think it's a lot of having the right partner and not that I haven't had great partners, but in a lot of stuff just needs to come together for you at the right time. Like someone else needs to make a bad race. And I need to be having a good race. I don't know if I knew the secret, I, I'd be there, but yeah, I, I think that's the joy of sport is that if you could, literally write down a plan like everybody do it right yeah do a then b then c yeah i'm gonna yeah for sure i'm gonna real hard this winter in texas and do it this spring when i get back right on yeah well i think you still got a lot you got a how old 25 i'm sorry uh yeah, 20, 25. Danny Paddle is twenty five years old and already in the top ten. Yeah, you're you're gonna you're you're gonna be crushing it. You know, that's it's just a it's just a matter of uh, you know, just like you said, just having the 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 things some some things come together and then once they do, then it's it's just gonna be repetition after that point, I think. So. Um, Let's let's move on. Like, what, tell us a little bit because we didn't we didn't really talk about this with like Rebecca at all. What what type? Tell us a little bit about your race gear. I'm always interested. I'm a I'm a techie guy, so like I'm sitting there. I'm actually looking at there's uh, Garmin's coming out with a new uh, GPS watch. It's uh, called the Venue. I'm like, oh man, I gotta get that. What? Tell us a little bit about your race gear. What you like to use and stuff, Dan. So the boat I normally use is a, a Corbin V1, but this year in the marathon, my partner had a Gillies and we, we paddled that a couple of I said, I think this is the boat, man. We should race this. And he was, he was skeptical. Like I thought he'd be all for it. Like 
face his own boat, but eventually we tied the gillies and we went really nice in it. I think the gillies is a, a good boat to paddle. You don't have to paddle hard, but it'll still go easy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the, yeah. the gillies will. It, it's a it's a, a weird boat in that it'll kind of punish you if you try to paddle it hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I was gonna say you better, Danny. You better give a shout out to Gillies for that boat, right? For that top ten, because yeah. that that worked out really good for you. Yeah, I'm happy with that choice. But I like my V1 too. But the V1 is is kind of the opposite. I think I think the V1 gives you back what you put in. Right. Okay. Sure. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard that the V1 will have a higher top end. Um, but it's like, you know, it's just the more you, more, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. But I can see where like a Gillies for, uh, especially for the marathon, um, can, can be beneficial, um, if it can get up and into a nice cruise pace and, and not, you know, and stay there, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It paddled sure. real nice in the marathon. Yeah. <laughs> Now you, Danny, you are you still using the uh, the ripple paddle in the C one? Yeah, I've I've been using it a little bit. I I cut it at the right before spikes, and I was thinking about racing spike one with it, but you know, I was I was going against Steve Lachlan, and I, I just had to go with what I knew. So I my... <laughs> dance with who brung you? <laughs> yeah, I I used uh, my I have an old school Fisk paddle. From back when he started in the 90s with the with the wider blade, but I really like the ripple paddle. I've been using it some here. I did the two race with it, the suit one race, right? And I think it's pretty good. I got it cut a little longer than what I normally use, so that's taken a little getting used to. I might okay, what, what length? Did you have a cut? Yeah, what length is that? Uh, I got it cut to a 52, where usually I use a 51 and a quarter. Isn't it amazing how three quarters of an inch makes such a big difference? Like you yeah. can feel that. Oh yeah, it's just weird going through the water sometimes. But I've used a shorter one before, and I think they're they're a good paddle. They're a really good bang for your buck for sure. For for sure, right? For sure. Hey, do you have any uh like any good luck charms? Any superstitions? Anything like that? I mean, well. I have this old, uh, this old ZRE hat that's pink and purple and turquoise, and I've done pretty well on that. So I guess that's that's kind of a good luck charm. <laughs> that's probably your equivalent of my Vinny's hat, man. My Vinny's hat is disgusting, but when I put it on, it's like Superman's cape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on. Sure. Hey, Danny, what do you have a uh, like your You've been both ends of the spectrum. What do you have as far as advice for paddlers starting in the sport, especially like your younger brother, the, the Scotty paddle? <laughs> um, when you're talking, you know, to the to the younger youngsters or the the newcomers in the sport, what kind of advice would you give them? So I was telling his partner before mile race, uh, uh huh, don't get mad at each other in the race because that just makes for a long. Race. But mostly just have fun like you're probably not going to 
win your first time out there, but have fun. Pay attention to what the pros are doing. The expert two starts before them or after them, I mean. Right. So pay attention to that and what do you yeah what do you think the most important thing for someone looking to climb the ranks in canoe racing is like if you could tell them hey focus on this uh they get with the the right the right guys of to train with i think when i started to really get good was Us, like the the cool kids i guess like the fast guys so they would invite okay. us to we weren't there yet but in the boat with them sometimes like i'd go out with uh sheldon and west would be with Connor, but we'd be in the same group and right i feel like that's really important it's a to train some experienced guys. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, totally. I, I look at, now my, my trajectory is much different from your own, but yeah, I look at that and I looked at the uh, the top 10 this year from the marathon and I went, you know, I've paddled with four or five of those guys, you know, either in the boat with them or, um, or around them. And just like being there, that's that's so valuable, right? Just totally valuable. Yeah. Right on, that, that definitely is. Um, I I've been paddling with Ben over the past uh, year and a half because he moved to Syracuse, and it's definitely uh, brought my my game up for sure. Um, so I can definitely attest to that type of training if you can, you know. But yeah, you can still you can still you can still do a good job if you. If you go to Canoe Race World and you read all of our articles and <laughs> a- absolutely, yeah, yeah, I've got to get the plug in pretty, there. I've got a pretty good group of people to train with right now. <laughs> My yeah, Rebecca, you... Bruce, and Roxanne can't beat that. And you're going to go winner down there with another incredible group. Um, you, you talk about people on the climb, right? The the, the Texas contingency is I, I tell you what i i kind of wonder if chris and pete maybe couldn't win it all in a year yeah maybe you know i'll be absolutely. i'll be working for chris so uh okay so i'll learn some secrets for him <laughs> uh, yeah that that whole crew down there man i i think you're going to take what you learned at barton farms and, and take it down there and you're gonna be even faster Hey, on that note, guys, why don't we wrap this podcast up? Uh, Once again, uh, quick thanks to to Danny Paddle, uh, future champion Danny Paddle, as well as uh, our sponsors, GRB Newman Design, Zever Racing Equipment. Um, And until next time, remember, keep the paddle wet and the round side down. Thanks, Danny, and uh, we'll talk to you.